1: At LuckyLandSlots.com Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
0: It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Smith rifles that one to Mims. And that's a foot race he's going to win. Touchdown. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Five straight games, Anthony, where he's got a touchdown catch of over 20. Deflected and picked up He
2: took it in, it's a pick six
0: and a touchdown.
2: Fell into the middle of that
0: line and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. There was contact with the quarterback and it's incomplete. They got pressure. On Prescott, it was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately. He got the handoff. You know and what? It's The Q Oh my gosh! Listen, thank you.
3: From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet One. And it's time for part two of the Chronicles of Nania, talking about the Jets. Down and distance tendencies and what Adam Gase likes to do specifically As far as play calls on those downs Of course for that we're joined by the resident stat geek Over at JetsXFactor.com, Mr. Michael Nania. Yesterday in part one we talked quite a bit About the fact that Adam Gase loves the element of surprise Michael the element of surprise is good Don't get me wrong But sometimes it's a little overrated And what I mean by that is Oftentimes, the obvious thing is obvious because it makes sense, and it makes sense because it's the most likely thing to succeed. And you and I talked about this, and I love talking about old sporting events, but I was telling you about the 1988 World Series Game 1, the famous Kirk Gibson at bat, and if you're unfamiliar with it, essentially what happened was Kirk Gibson had won the NL MVP that year, and the Dodgers were in the World Series. They were huge underdogs against a stacked Oakland A's team who had the best closer in the league, Dennis Eckersley, who's now an announcer for the Boston Red Sox, but at the time, he was essentially the Mariano Rivera of his day. And so Eckersley comes in, and he's trying to close the door. The Dodgers were able to get a runner on. They were down by one run in the bottom of the ninth, And so Kirk Gibson, who wasn't supposed to be able to hit Because he had two torn hamstrings Somehow made it to the plate as a pinch hitter Now he could barely stand up And when he swung, he was making very weak contact Fouling the ball off He worked it to a 3-2 count and Eckersley kept throwing fastball, 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 and Gibson kept weakly fouling it off Now, the most likely scenario here at the end was going to be either a Gibson strikeout or a weak groundout And the game would have been over But Eckersley kept throwing fastball, fastball, fastball Eventually thought to himself, what if I try to sneak a breaking ball by him he threw Gibson the breaking ball, and Gibson hit it over the fence because Eckersley outthought himself in what he ended up doing in thinking that if I change this up, I can get him out, he ended up throwing Gibson the only pitch that he could actually hit. And it seems like Gase does a lot of that. Instead of doing the things that work, and yeah, they might be obvious because they work, he goes to something that doesn't work just because he thinks it'll surprise the other team, and then guess what, Michael? It doesn't work.
2: Yeah, you put it best. Uh, a lot of things are obvious for a reason. The reason they're obvious is because they work, and that's the reason you should be doing them. So uh, for them, you do want to see him do a much better job of playing to the strengths and weaknesses of his team because some of the trends that show up in terms of success going up, tendency going down, success going down, tendency going up is not promising at all, and you could be a much better team just by playing to your strengths. Some of the best teams in the league – might not even be the most talented in the league, but their coaches, st- coaching staffs do a great job of maximizing what they do well and allowing them to play in those situations more uh, at a very frequent rate, whether it's, you know, if your linebackers are not good in coverage, but they're great pass rushers, let them blitz a lot. If your team is really good at running the ball on third and short, run the ball on third and short. If you're really good at throwing out of second and long, throw out of second and long. Things like that can make a huge difference and just how you make your team look it can make a team look a lot more talented than they really are because you're featuring what they do best or can make them look less talented than they really are because you're featuring you're you're failing to feature what they actually do well and putting them in too many situations where they're forced to do things that they are not good at so these these are things gays can do a lot better and it's it's very worrying that we're here saying things that seem like should be in the first page of the coaching handbook but Hopefully, he can turn it around. He's young, I guess. You can give him that, but (laughs) I guess young for a coach, but it's it's tough. It's tough. I hope he turns it around, but it doesn't look great.
3: The other thing I wanted to bring up is in addition to – Trying to find a way to not get into tough third down situations. What you were saying about third down conversions made me think about the NBA or even college basketball, where they talk about if a team wants to be successful they have to hit their free throws down the stretch when in reality, they need to hit their free throws throughout the game because if they hit their free throws early in the game, there wouldn't be this desperate need to hit them at the end to make up for the missed free throws earlier. And that's sort of what it seems to be with these downs. If you do better on first and second down, you don't have to worry as much on third down. So while it is good to see a team convert on third down, it's much more important to be able to clean things up on first and second down so that you're not in those rough situations all that often.
2: Yeah. And third downs go to just the, the always the never ending conversation of clutchness in sports is being clutch really important. If uh, your inability to produce before that is the reason you're in a clutch situation in the first place. And that's kind of what uh, third down conversion rate is all about a lot of Uh, The best teams don't get to third down because they're moving the ball so quickly that they're moving the chains on first or second down and they convert well on third down because they do well enough before that so that their third downs are easier than most other teams. So whenever you look at third down success, uh, don't just consider it. This is how they do on third down, plain and simple. You also have to look how long those third downs are and look at the first two downs and see what issues uh, before on those two first plays are leading to the lack of success on third down because think on thir- the distance plays such a big part in how likely you are to convert these plays a short third down is really easy to convert and a long one obviously is not so the situations you're getting put in based on what you do before that is what's playing a, a big role in how well you convert like for example on third and one the average conversion rate last year was 69 percent on third and 10 it was 25 percent so what you're doing on those first two plays to decide what you are facing on third down uh, it decides how easy how likely it is a keep placing a huge role in deciding how likely you are to convert that so third down is very aligned the overall success of it on what you do the first two downs and when you want to evaluate how a team does on third down you got to break it down by distance can they Because some teams might have a really good third down conversion rate overall, just because they do good on the first two downs, setting up uh, short situations, but they're actually converting less than they should because say they get into a lot of third and ones, but they only convert those 50% of the time. And if you convert 50% of your thirds overall, that looks really good. But if all of your third downs are third and ones, and again, I'm just exaggerating for an example but if all of your third downs are third ones you only convert half of them you're actually doing a pretty bad job on third down but it looks good just because your success before that makes that a higher upside situation so all three downs play uh, it's a domino effect what happens on first effects second and so on and so forth so it all starts for the Jets with first down specifically in the run game of, of all the splits on here across all three downs their first and 10-run game was easily the most negatively impactful uh, really facet of any of these three downs. Like I said earlier, if they rushed at a league average efficiency just over the last 12 weeks of the season, they would have had 183 more rushing yards and about six more first downs as well. That would make a huge difference uh, over just three quarters of the season. Second-down run game cost them 121 yards and 12 first downs. So that run game on first and second down, uh, especially on first and 10 and then second and long has to be substantially better. That was their biggest offensive weakness.
0: The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Michael, let's talk about your conclusions, and one of them has to do with exactly what you were just talking about, which is improving the running game on first down. The key to this has to be better blocking. Mekhi Becton is here now. Connor McGovern, George Fant, Greg Van Roten, Chris Herndon should be back and healthy, and he's a very good blocker for a tight end. Denzel Mims, when he plays, is a very good blocker, so that should all help. And we already know they struggled with the run blocking last year. It's got to get better this year. A lot of new faces that are going to be relied upon to be able to make this happen. But if they can't make it happen the offense is probably going to struggle a lot to do what we were just talking about, which is have more manageable second and third downs. This is almost entirely going to come down to the new guys on the offensive line, isn't it?
2: Right. And looking at these numbers, as you said, it's just one more piece of information that plays back to the importance of that unit. We talk about how, just how negatively they affected both Sam Darnold and Le'Veon Bell and the entire team last year. But when you really break it down, it still comes back to that same unit. The first and 10 run game is built around the offensive line. On first and 10, teams run about 52% of the time. So it's one of the few situations where a run is more likely than a pass. It's one, especially in a long-distance situation. Obviously, if you're in second and two, second and one, third and one, or you're on the goal line, then rushing the ball is going to be obvious. But there aren't too many situations outside of those where a run is pretty likely, but on first and 10 teams do have a tendency to want to set that up. And you're going to be facing loaded boxes on first and 10, much more often than you will on second and short and any third down situation. So that's when the offensive line makes its money on that first and 10 run game, where there are so many bodies around to have to clear space to set up uh, to clear space and run game. So you can set up a successful second and third down scenarios Uh, So the first and 10 run game, very important, is is very much built around the success of the offensive line. And that's where the Jets were at their absolute worst last season. So uh, as you said, Becton, McGovern, George Van, Greg Van Roen, it's going to be on these guys to fix this very crucial weakness for the Jets going into next season. We've talked a lot about all those individuals on here. I've written a ton about them, their ceilings and floors at Jets X Factor, but uh, whether or not those guys in the run game can help, and the pass protection goes without saying how important that is, but the number one weak, weakness for this offense was what they did on running the ball in first and 10. That just set them up for a lot of really tough situations to get out of in the passing game as well on second and third down because they were just the flat-out worst team at running the ball on first down. So whether or not they can be able to, in those situations, fire off the ball, get to the second level, clear linebackers, uh, and and just avoid losses. They don't have to pick up, especially with Le'Veon Bell. You know you're not going to get too many home runs, but what Bell does really, or what he did do well in Pittsburgh, was keeping the team ahead of the chains in this exact situation. Pick up four yards on first down, get another four yards on second down, uh, and then just consistently throughout the game wear teams down with very positive Uh, just very consistent with picking up positive gains on first down. That's where he made his impact, helping Pittsburgh get into a lot of favorable situations by consistently getting positive gains and avoiding those losses Uh, because that's a big part of every single yard that you're picking up. Every yard you get is just adding probability to the next – the probability that you convert the next down. So Bell's ability in Pittsburgh to get stuffed less frequently than any other back in the league – was extremely important in helping them find success on third down. And that's something he couldn't do last year with this block, uh, with the blocking that he had. So if the Jets can get to just an average level of blocking, not even average, just mediocre, uh, then Bell's really going to be able to do what he does best, and that's keep the ball churning forward, uh, not waste plays and get stuffed in the backfield looking for too much, making the most of everything that is blocked for him. And he couldn't make the most of that ability uh, with – if your team's just flat out not blocking at all and you're getting hit in the backfield immediately, which, you know, it sounds like an exaggeration, but was happening so much last year. You're not going to be able to, uh, he's not going to be able to do what he does best. And that's let the blocks play out, uh, let everything in front of him just kind of come into place and then take advantage of that. He wasn't able to do that with the jets last year, but with even decent blocking, he should be able to do what he does best, keep the ball moving forward and set up favorable, second and third downs because too much last year the second and third down situations were insurmountable because of what happened on first down with the run game
3: and Michael like you said getting more manageable second and third downs is going to be crucial to the success of this offense in 2020 and to that end when they are put in situations that are favorable on third down they've got to keep going with what worked which was The third and short passing Darnold as you said very efficient there and when they're not in favorable position which is to say third and long they've got to move away from what kept hurting them last year every time they found themselves in that position which is running even if the offensive line is better at blocking this year which we all expect There's still no justification statistically in terms of what generally works to be calling a lot of rushing plays on third and long. They've got to put the ball in Darnold's hands more often on third and long, and they've got to be able to build on what he did well on third and short last year. In other words, what I'm saying, Michael, really is they've got to continue passing on third and short, and they've got to pass way more on third and long if they want the third down offense to be successful this year.
2: Yeah, I think one thing that fans might expect sometimes is for teams just pass, pass, pass constantly. And that's not necessarily what you're looking for, but just based on the Jets' strengths and weaknesses last year, and we'll see how they change. Maybe they become an elite running team and the passing you know, bounces off that. We don't know what will happen, but based on their strengths and weaknesses last year, passing is clearly a better option for them. And on third down, just across the board, you know, not just Jets-specific, Passing is just the clear option, unless you're in third and one or third and two. Passing is the clear option, and just unless again, unless you're in third and one or third and two, or if you're just trying to get some yards back in a it completely impossible situation, then passing. If you're from anywhere from fifteen to three yards, you should probably be throwing the ball. And the Jets a little bit too much. We're running in those situations, so that is something he can uh, Adam Gase can get better at in terms of just playing the efficiency a little bit better. And then on second down as well, the running on um, uh, second and long has to stop unless they do better in that situation. So just overall, you want to play to your strengths and weaknesses uh, a lot better.
3: I think that's really what it comes down to with Adam Gase, right? Is the fact that he's just got to do a better job of putting the Jets in the best position to succeed, which sounds really stupid to say because it should be pretty obvious But ultimately, Gase didn't do it enough in 2019. He tried to outsmart everybody, and in the end, the only person that he outsmarted was himself. So he should really take a good look at what you put together here, study these trends. I hope that he has assistants that are showing him this and that he's actually listening. And he's got to start moving towards the things that work consistently and moving away from the things that don't.
2: That's 100 percent right, and it's, it's different for every single team. Like the Vikings, for example, uh, in the their first year under Kirk Cousins, they were very much a passing team. But then this past season, uh, they became a more of a run first team, and that helped their passing game a lot. Cousins was had his most efficient season of his career. Stefan Diggs had a ridiculously efficient season, uh, and the Vikings were a really good offense overall because. Not that they were a run-first team, but their run game was efficient in the right situations to help the passing game get into scenarios where they could be successful uh, because the odds of success were really good thanks to their running game setting up those situations. So sometimes that is the type of team you want to be, and that works out. Sometimes it's the opposite. Your run game just isn't good, but your passing game is good enough uh, to bail it out by consistently going to that constantly. The Falcons have been a team like that. Over the past few years, a very pass-heavy team that have that is pass the ball well enough to where they can have success even without a good run game and being extremely pass-heavy. So it just depends on what your strengths and weaknesses are. Last team or last year, the Jets probably should have been a lot more pass-heavy than they were, just because their run game was a complete zero. But we'll see what happens this year. The run game should it, it should be better. How much better? we will see. So uh, whatever whatever works is what you have to do. For, whatever works for you is what you have to do. So it just takes analysis of things like this to really understand what your strengths and weaknesses are, what you should be doing in certain situations. So uh, we'll see how their production in the run game and the passing game changes next season, or this coming season, based on the changes in the offensive line, the health of the roster, some of the changes at the skill positions Uh, and however things play out in terms of how you do on first down, how you do in second and short, second and long. uh, You got to play to that, understand what you do well and uh, favor that. That doesn't mean you pass on every single second and long doesn't mean you run on every single third and short, but you just want to favor that a little more closely and make sure that you're taking the things you do well and making sure those, Abilities and skills are being put in the spotlight and utilized as much as possible.
3: If you want to see a much more in depth breakdown of everything that Michael and I have talked about. You can go to JetsXFactor.com. He's even got color-coded charts with all these percentages and fancy-looking numbers. It really (laughs) is remarkable. Michael, I'm not just saying this because we're friends. The work that you put in at JetsXFactor.com, I've said it before, unrivaled. I cannot imagine somebody who covers another team putting in this type of effort and coming up with this type of analysis. Fantastic stuff. Michael Nania from JetsXFactor.com, thanks so much for joining me for the Chronicle as always, really appreciate it Looking forward to talking next week Because we're getting closer and closer to training camp, Michael Which also means that you've got a lot of training camp Specific stuff up right now At JetsXFactor.com, right?
2: Yeah, we, I've been starting off the uh, A series of training camp Primers for individual players I've done and Williams Greg Van Roten, Connor McGovern Bless Austin and Quincy Wilson uh, I've been enjoying doing those They're really in-depth breakdowns Of just the entire synopsis of each player going into 2020 their strengths and weaknesses both in terms of stats and some film clips that I have in there uh, their outlook for the future their contract situation who they need to beat out to get a starting spot and where they project to be in that starting lineup their usage offensively and defensively in terms of scheme or just how they're u- how the different roles that they're used in uh, so complete uh, very comprehensive breakdowns of all these players as they head into training camp. So start off and those going to be playing more throughout this week and uh, the coming weeks, up until in the coming days, because we're getting that close uh, up until training camp. So uh, hopefully it does happen and we can have some news uh, because I'm looking forward to some real football in a few months. It, if this plays out as hopefully it does, we should only be about two months away. So off season has gone pretty quickly. Feels like yesterday we were looking at the draft and that was almost three months ago. Oh my God. <laughs> it's going really quickly So I'm really enjoying these training camp previews And hopefully camp does play out in a couple of
3: weeks You can get everything that Michael is working on Over at JetsXFactor.com In addition to Robbie Sabo's news and notes Joe Blewett's full film breakdowns And Joe comes on the show all the time So you know what a maniac he is And you can also get my history pieces, which are eventually going to be turned into an audio documentary. I'm currently working through one on the 2008 season. First two parts are up, long form. The last one was about 3,000 words just on Brett Favre, his background, what led to him almost becoming a Jet in 1991. And then the circumstances that led to him finally winding up with gangrene in 2008 we're going to go bit by bit piece by piece little help from our old friend Kerry Rhodes as well as he'll chime in to share his experiences from the 2008 season that's all going to be available at jetsxfactor.com if you haven't given the show a five-star review on iTunes yet if you could go ahead and do that for us really appreciate it easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing doesn't take you much time doesn't cost you any money but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we would be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest, in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
1: A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh?
0: Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino.